You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Alex Barr. And today I'm joined by Hayden Smith, COO and founder of Perla. Hello, Hayden. How are you? Hi, Alex. I'm well. Um, thank you for having me today. Not at all. Hayden, where are you joining us today? Uh, from Sydney, Australia, um, from my home office. Uh, we're a fully remote company, so we're all kind of floating around at different places in Australia. Most of us are in Sydney, though. Hayden, for our listeners, please tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little about Perla and your background. Yeah, so uh, me, I, you know, look after Perla in my role as founder, owner of the company with my co-founder, Nick. Um, I also look after our entire product, customer service, technology, engineering space. So kind of very customer focused, very technology focused. Um, my background is software engineering by trade. So, you know, went to university, did a software engineering degree. Uh, my alternative career path would have been, you know, going to a, a Google or a Facebook in an ideal case kind of thing. Um, spent a lot of time in my earlier years having a lot of fun with volunteering engineering projects. Really enjoyed just building stuff. Um, mm -hmm. We used to program robots at university or try and build um, little kind of cars to drive around in um, and found my way into fintech just because it was, it kind of hit me one day once you start to realize that money is just the most important thing not in a greedy sense but in the sense of like if you don't get it right you know and you're a normal person it can be a big stressor it can be a big strain on you yourself your family so um really motivated to join forces with you know someone like my co-founder nick and um try and see where we can make an impact so tell us a little bit about perla then yes sorry so perla <laughs> as a company like the simplest the simplest summary that I could give is that we're interested in helping everyday people develop a better relationship with money. Um, mm -hmm. We're interested in trying to help successful savers become confident investors um, to help people to, to kind of stop investing being a single player game. Um, you know, you can kind of talk about Perla in a lot of um, like either a concrete or an abstract sense, I guess. And like a, a really concrete way of describing Perla right now is that we are an investing company where mm -hmm. you can deposit money and invest. Uh, invest that money in equities in particular in Australia or the US and the kind of you know up in the sky vision of Perla is that we want to help do in the world of finance what we've seen companies like you know Fitbit or Strava do in the in the world of health and exercise or something like LinkedIn do in you know the occupational industrial world where um, we hope when we look back in 10 years that will say, wow, remember when everyone just used to kind of do that money stuff by themselves and no one really knew what anyone else was doing and they weren't encouraging each other. They weren't talking. They didn't understand it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, look what we've done. We've helped turn this into a an open, uh, inspiring kind of landscape where everyone can build wealth together. So it's very much a community focus. Yeah. And I think like just, just while I'm, you know, talking about it, it's very, I, we noticed early on that when we would talk about community focused, that people would jump immediately to, you know, thinking about Facebook or mm. um, Instagram or, or, you know, these other kind of things where it's just social media feeds everywhere and like a frenzy and addictions. But I, um, for anyone who has used the sporting app or fitness app Strava, which is the one where, you know, you track your runs or your, your cycles. And, and a lot of people have, I don't use it myself. We, we, we mean, 
when we say community, we mean something like that, where you can achieve something and, you know, your friends can give you a, a you know, digital clap, a digital like, you feel good about it, you want to keep going, um, you feel motivated by sharing that kind of community. Awesome. Um, so just to talk about your journey then at Perla, um, I, I mean, I know obviously a little bit about you guys, but for our listeners, um, do you want to explain a little bit about where Perla are in their journey? And I mean, you've just had your recent fundraise. Yeah, so um, we've recently just uh, closed off our kind of seed round of funding. Um, I think it was somewhere around $7 million Australian. That was quite, you know, backed by a, a Canadian fintech VC and a couple of, uh, you know, local local crews in Australia kind of um, topping off the capital raise. But that's been that's been very good for us and, you know, given us a lot of validation in market and space to really focus on product and customers rather than, you know, um, chasing capital which is which we're also very lucky with given that you know the world started to get tighten up a little bit um and we have a little bit of breathing room yeah brilliant I and mean, congratulations on, on that fundraise um so talking just to talk a little bit about the journey because i think that's interesting uh, i'd love to know more about your i mean and i've read your blog series I, I'm, I'm sure some other people have but maybe not all of our listeners um i'd love to know more about your motivations for setting up Perla specifically from your journey as a as a software engineer and that sense of community building I'd, yeah I'd love to know more about the motivations that you and Nick had to set up the company yeah so um Nick and I Nick and I come from slightly different walks of life I, I can speak to my own um but we both end up at the same spot I think there's two things that I point to uh, that motivated me. One of the first ones was, you know, growing up in an environment, whether it was friends or family, um, where I would see people that I care about work extremely hard, um, you know, use their labor and their time to try and build wealth, pay bills. Uh, but they'd always seem to kind of fall behind people who knew more about money, you know, and mm. it kind of felt to me like we had a world where your outcomes were at times and to different degrees driven by your relationship with financial literacy more than your motivation and effort in life you know so whether it was like you know people who hoard money in a cash savings account because they didn't know how to invest it or they would have no idea how to engage with their taxes or they wouldn't be motivated to think about how they spend money or you know buying in bulk or just all these kinds of things and uh i was like wouldn't it be cool if you know people were more proportionally rewarded for how hard they worked as opposed to just you know what they knew about money um so that was that was a massive motivator for me and i think i think the other one was i was very lucky um uh you know growing up my my family was tackling a bunch of uh financial problems at the time throughout my kind of teen years and i was very lucky to have a a mother who was very open with these things as a kid um you know kind of would i, I don't know how old i'd be somewhere between like 13 and 16 and be talking about you know where the you know the mortgage overdue payments are at and you know just how much money this costs and um what's happening with the bills and you know what works paying her and stuff and i got shocked when i would meet other people who would i'd be like how much do your parents earn and they say i don't know and i'd be like why and they're like they don't talk about it it's not right to talk about and it kind of blew my mind because i feel like so much of how i've learned about the world has been from seeing what other people do and being able to put myself in context and and learn from them or in spite of them um so just that that just that ability to create a more open relationship with money um they're, they're probably the two main motivators for me and so i suppose that like you, you i've 
gleaned two two main main pillars from this, and I assume this is what you and Nick are trying to achieve with 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 Perla. And one is community, and two is financial literacy to create more equitable distribution <laughs> to get from you know that effort that you're talking about your your folks putting in to receiving that uh, equal amount of financial um, equity, if that's the right. Yeah, word. exactly, that- exactly, yeah. I'm keen to know a little bit about um, now then the types of customers that you usually serve. Like, what what does what does the customer base look like at Perla? Is it is it is, do you think it's probably more for somebody of your of of your of of a of a Gen Z uh, a millennial generation? Given that it has a tech focus, or do you think it a, a appeals to slightly uh, the older demographic as well? That's that's a that's a great question about you know the types of customers we have. I mean, there's a few different ways you can slice it. Obviously, it's predominantly Australian, given how you know insular finance is um, because of different regulations. We yeah. we have um, it's about fifty fifty male to female in terms of what people identify as. Um, mm. The it kind of fluctuates a bit because sometimes if we do surveys, it might trend towards male, and if we look at like the legal data that people you know have to provide it trends toward female slightly but it's about 50 50 so that's that's something that it by itself is quite unique um within our yeah, landscape that's, and something that's great yeah and i'm pretty sure i think f- f- female identification is is trending upwards um very slowly uh and in terms of ages it's quite a mix honestly we've got um what i'd say is we don't have a great deal of um senior people on the platform the age kind mm-hmm. of really tapers off around um, kind of 50 um, but we have a whole pretty equally mixed bag of stuff we've got a bunch of you know the kind of gen z up till 25 um, they've got a tiny bit of money super you know tech digital focused um, want to just get started and do things we've got a pretty big millennial crowd in that you know 25 to 40 range who are um, probably higher income they're a bit more uh, you know militant with I'm going to invest this amount, this regularly. Um, they tend to put in the high volumes of investments. Mm. Uh, you know, they're having kids, a lot of them around those ages. So they're quite focused on how they can save for their kids. Uh, and then we have a probably just a smaller crowd of people who are, you know, say above 40, who just to think, I know what I'm doing. I want to buy some shares. I want to keep them. Pearl seems like a friendly, simple place to do it. I don't really, don't really need all this market depth stuff anymore. I've got my strategy, so please just make it easy for me. Sure, it must be. Yeah, uh, it must be so interesting to look at. Uh, to look at the well, maybe it's because uh, I'm a bit of a geek, but it must be look at interesting to look at the analysis across your customer base of um, the ages and who's doing what and the the demographics and genders and how that shapes your journey as a business. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's probably one of the highlights of the year is getting a chance to look through some of our larger scale survey data and just get a sense of a lot of the time you kind of know it because you talk to customers, but it's always great to, you know, see it, see it actually just on paper with some harder numbers. Sounds brilliant. I'm keen to know a little bit about yours um, and your and Nick's experience on like... um, so some of the lessons that you've learned in 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 founding Perla and, and your journey so far. That's a good question. So I think, you know, one thing that we've, one thing I can say I've learned in particular is that, um, you know, when you start a company, you get a lot of advice, right? Left, right, and center, and a lot of it's because you seek it out. Um, one problem you have, I think, is that people there's a lot of conflicting advice out there. You know, I, I sometimes use the example of you'll hear. Um, 
you know, a Steve Jobs like figure say that, you know, customers don't know what they want, you know, tell them, you know, get rid of the, the headphones port. Um, yeah. And in another, you might hear, you know, customer centric, everything, 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 listen to your customer, do exactly what they say. Um, and just kind of trying to find your own path and what's appropriate is probably the hardest thing. And it's, it's a slow realization that, you know, not that I'm infallible or I don't make mistakes, but no one's going to know your business as well as you. No one's going to know your customers as well as you. That was a big uh, learning point, just kind of having the confidence to say, you know, I need to listen to everyone very intently and very deeply, but fundamentally remember that I'm probably one of the only people with enough context to figure out what might be unique for us. Um, sure. I think one thing we've also learned with fintech is that, you know, you have to be very careful in how you build product because you want to move fast as a young company. You want to move fast for your customers, for your investors. Um, but there's a certain amount of uh, you move too fast and you scare people, right? You're not building a video game or um, some kind of website where if there's a problem with it, people just say, oh, it's a startup. It'll, you know, it goes down sometimes. I like them. So I'll hang around, you know, if we have downtime or, you know, bugs, for instance, then um, what if we tell someone, the amount of money they have is wrong. Um, you have to be kind of more constrained with how you you tackle that kind of startup, iterate, fail fast mentality. Uh, that was a big learning curve for us as well, just in terms of you know trying to trying to scale this product from nothing. If that's if that's the kind of stuff you're looking for, or <laughs> no, go no, in another direction. No, no, that's a brilliant answer. I'm uh, I'm I'm really interested about the um. You you make a really good point about you you founding you know you you know the most amount about your organization and you need to cut through the noise um regardless of you know the amount or whoever's giving you that advice that's that's really interesting um i'm i just want to jump back because i think it was really interesting when you said about um the different demographics of your your customer base um and what you, you pointed out that you know millennials might be doing certain things with their their cash and I'm 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 interested in your view on how you think the investment world is evolving today. I know we've spoken about financial literacy as well. Do you think it's becoming a lot more active rather than passive, or, or do you think it's going the other way um, to more of a robo advisory, or do you think it depends on the demographic? That that's a great question. I mean. I feel I feel so hesitant to answer that with authority because I could kind of answer <laughs> it in the context of Perla, but I we're obviously dealing with a subset of culture in itself, right? Like we've got we've got we attract a certain type of customer who tend to be more passive, who also tend to be more engaged. But I feel like the a common thread is that from what I have seen personally, when you look at the younger generations, um, they they are more engaged in both an active and a passive sense, you know, mm. like they're, they're kind of parents or parents, parents are from that financial advice generation um, that, you know, the, the go into the bank in person generation and particularly in that, that, you know, Gen Z millennial bucket, um, you know, people don't want to do that. They don't want to go and have a consultation with a financial advisor. They want to go on Google, learn things, do things. Yeah. I definitely see crowds of people who are, you know, they'll go on the trading apps on the eToros and they'll just, you know, go ham with it and get super into crypto um, or the types who, you know, be very, I'm into ETFs. I'm going to invest regularly. Um, you know, I have a lot of good people influencing me or great things I've read online or again, like, you know, kind of a, a barefoot investor, a popular Australian book. Um, mm. 
they're on different crowds, but the commonality is that they're all more engaged. Like even if they're passive, they're much more intentional about being passive. And if they don't know a lot, people want to learn. I struggle to come across many people under 35 who who don't get completely engrossed in conversations about this and want to want to take that independence upon themselves, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's probably the main thing I've, I've noticed. That's super interesting. And And then I suppose from your perspective then, how are or how do these new fintech solutions like Perla, um, like many others um, that are in the market today, alter or, or support the way that um, the way that people are investing, individuals are investing now? That's that's another good question. I I think it's just the enabling with technology, right? Yeah, um, sure. The thing, like you know, software engineering background. Um, the thing I'm constantly stunned with is how much room there is to improve in the space, right? I'm sure this is something you've probably seen too. Like you, you just, you see, you don't see this as much, I think, in some other areas because you're like, oh, here's a problem. Oh, there's technology to solve it because, you know, someone just built it. There was a smart person before you. Whereas um, so regularly we'll be having a conversation about, oh, this would be a great way to help customers. And we're like, oh, it's not possible. Why is it not possible? And oh, no one just seems to have done it yet. Um, yeah. So I think there's just been a massive ability to to do things like, you know, it's it's easier than ever to open accounts. It's easier than ever to, like, verify identity. Um, this isn't just on companies like Perla, the kind of retail and and um, and user companies, but also on service providers. You know, we work with banking providers like look at what's happened with like pay ID in Australia, like real time payments now. So pretty much everyone in Australia is transferring money into their investment accounts in real time, you know, instantly. Um, this gets them excited, gets them engaged. Uh, brokerage in Australia is cheaper than it ever has been. You know, um, yeah, it's super. Ex you know, a, a a beer or a couple of cups of coffee are more expensive than some brokers. So, just the slow accessibility that's been led by tech, I think, has um, really enabled it for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, right? But I suppose you, you and I are quite biased from being in the industry for quite a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think then that people can rely on that technology to study? And I'm, I'm thinking about this from the investment side now. Um, you, you speak to it on the, the product side, of course, um, and how that enables uh, individuals to invest or, or support them. On the data side, do you think people can rely on that technology as well? Um, to study trends, data, and make more, you know, calculated, informed decisions. Are you seeing a, a? Do you see a lot of that in your product roadmap and customer usage? It's an excellent thing to think about, and we probably take a, a slightly, um, like, an oddly uh, human approach to this, which you could argue is nearly like a, a more conservative approach, which is that. We kind of started Perla from day one and said, um, yeah, you know, we can you can get into the whole AI machine learning or market depth, limit orders and uh, give people all these tools and blogs and um, what's the hot stock kind of thing. But the problem is, is that it's, su it's such an insular approach, right, in terms of a normal person in Australia, you know, and this, I'm sure this is true for most of the Western world, um, they're, they're probably just juggling work and children at the end of the day, you know, yeah. fundamentally. And mm. they don't have time. They don't have time to upskill themselves. And even the people who do upskill themselves, who tend to have, you know, a higher baseline intelligence, um, who knows if they'll do better. So we we kind of really just said, 
we, we took a step back and we said, you know what, when you go and do something, like you go buy a car, you get health insurance, you get a new phone plan, you look for houses. Whilst you Google stuff, fundamentally, you'll you'll always tend to turn to someone you know, friends or family, and just talk to them about it. You'll you'll use people that you trust and understand as reference points for better or worse, right? Whether it's that that person you trust who you know is a bit more risk averse than you, so yeah. you know you'll use them as a baseline because that's kind of that's how humans we think want to deal with this stuff. So while we do want to give people you know data and information and kind of hard facts, back to that community element. There is a sense of, and, and I'll give you a really good concrete example so it doesn't sound like I'm talking about a bunch of, you know, fluff. Is, um, you know, right now we're looking on the platform to when someone's actually invested in a, when you go and look at a particular share or stock or equity, rather than kind of giving people all these like historical trends and prices, we actually just want to be like, well, we've got all this data with Pell users. Um, who is the type of person that invests in this? Does it, does it trend, you know, um, you know, male or female in terms of the data we have of how people identify does it does it trend in terms of towards younger or older people does it trend towards towards people who are more likely to invest in ethical investments um mm. you know do you know any of these people in some you know far off future so uh i've gone on a bit of a a long one on this but it's it's really just we want to use data we want to use technology but not not in a numerical sense but in a much more like human personal sense yeah, it makes complete sense. I'm you. You spoke about the the trends of your users there, um, and and those demographics. I'd I'd be interested, and I'm sure our listeners would too, uh, to understand a little bit about the growing trends of your younger investors. Uh, the reason I ask is you, we've we've made a nod to earlier that they might be more financially literate nowadays due to technology and due to just general goings on in the macro economy and information availability yeah I'd be super interested about the trends that you're uh, that you're seeing with your younger investors gen z millennial etc that's a good question um when we did our big survey we surveyed about 1500 people and my memory of it was that I asked one of the senior engineer I work with, I said, you know, we've got all this data. We asked people about, you know, where are they putting their money, housing or, or shares, or, you know, are they more likely to invest for the short term or the long term? You know, all these kinds of qualitative questions. Yeah. And we sliced it by, um, we generally sliced it by, you know, gender and we generally sliced it by age and we tried to slice it by income. We were mostly surprised that not a ton of trends stuck out. Um, I think you see a lot of like Gen Zs investing in investing might be a strong word depending on your opinion, but like putting money into crypto. Yeah. Um, and but then we had a bunch of millennials putting money into crypto, you know, and we had sure. probably the main trend is just the amount of amount of cash that they put in. Um, they're probably more inclined to get into robo robo advice. Um, you know, we have a managed fund product, not just equity, so they'll start small, they'll they'll tinker around. Um, they're probably a bit more aligned with, um, you know, ESG kind of, you know, the environment, social impact things. Yeah. Uh, sure. But I'd probably say like at the really low end, like university students, generally I, I have, again, just personally seen that most of them are just trying to get started and get engaged. But once you really get into that kind of early to mid 20s to mid 30s, um, that's probably where you see people be very intentional with where they're investing. 
Uh, yeah, and I, it's 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 interesting to me because I've you know we've done episodes with people before, and the, the, the trends follow follow the same similarity, right? There's the, these young younger demographics see trends towards more ethical investments in ESG, as well as using fintech solutions in order to dip their toe into the into the the investing world, whether that is a bit gun ho or not, in order to learn and continue on to that journey to moving towards a more um active rather than uh passive uh view of investing but yeah it's it's very interesting that the trends follow suit across globally actually rather than just maybe in uk and europe but actually in australia as well yeah definitely um you there was one thing that you mentioned earlier on um which i thought was was super interesting about your the um the split in 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 your gender demographics across your user base i think did you say was it 50 50 or was it just slightly tipped towards the female user base the the hard data shows tipping towards the female user base yeah i'm i'm interested by um your view on uh paving the way for females in wealth tech and how Perla are enabling that you said it was quite uncommon earlier that it was a 50 50 split I'm, I'm keen to know if, if that's a if 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 that is um a huge focus for you guys or is it just for, fortuity um i would say that you know it's not something that we sit around with every day saying it's an objective of the company yeah. to, a, to a, you know an aggressive degree but I'm sure it's implicitly an objective, but even more than that, it's it's probably just a health metric for us, you know. Like sure. are our are our customers as representative as you know our society, is our team as representative of that, you know, and we try and take a more holistic approach. Like I I I I'm pretty sure our team is somewhere between 45 to 55 percent, you know, women as well. Mm. Um and you know, we're not just interested in that, but, you know, we have a, a great deal of young parents in the team who've got, like, yeah. young kids, um, people from different ethnic backgrounds and cultural backgrounds. Um, we even have, you know, people who most of our team didn't work in, um, like, our customer service team. One of them is a university student who, you know, finished a kind of um, information systems degree, I think. Um, another person used to be a chef who just wanted to change careers and another one was a flight attendant with Qantas Australian Airline who wanted to change careers and generally we just like the idea of creating spaces internally or for our customers that that don't feel like a monoculture um, yeah. where possible and I think a bigger thing for us than focusing specifically on you know um, genders people identify as is is just the underlying tonality of what that means, because it's all it's all well and good to you know be like, oh, we have so many women in the team, but you know why why is that important? You know, it's it's because you might see historically when you think about a bad tech company or like a bad finance company, you have those the tech bros and the you know the right. locker room guys and the um, that kind of rudeness. So I'd say that you know when we hire, we don't we don't hire with quotas, but we hire in terms of personalities and um if you kind of talk to people in our team you'd say most of our team are quite like you know soft gentle shy people um mm. and that carries through in our marketing and our comms and you know um I, I would say that for us it's it's a lot less about being you know how can we 
how can we really you know build a platform for women and it's more like how can we build a platform that keeps the tech bros and the finance bros away yeah um, i suppose it goes to your 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 pillar of community right yeah exactly like you know how, how do we just build a normal like a normal if we build a normal place we will attract normal people in fairly normal proportions that's a, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, we, we've spoken about agenda. We've spoken about uh, age demographics. I'm I'm interested to leap to to geography now, which I think is um, because you you see the world through through quite an interesting lens um, with with Perla. Um, I'd like to understand um, a little bit about how. Well, all the key trends that you see, right? So uh, naturally, a lot of my clients are the UK and, and Europe. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to understand the key trends that you're seeing in the investment space in Australia or, or the wider APAC region. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's, it's um, this kind of stuff is is probably not my absolute forte. I'll do my my best to answer it. It's um, the biggest trend is probably just in the environmental and social impact things that i'm seeing but it's it's hard to tell too because i'm probably not as familiar with the european investment space so i might be saying things that are just like truly global but um australia is a rich country and i think any rich country will be quite interested in doing good for the world um you know because people have that leeway i think you know uh, an, another topic is probably resources in terms of um you know there's a lot of people in australia who still invest a lot in resource um you know resource shares mining companies everything like that because australia is a massive exporter of um you know primary resources in the yeah, mining sure. space yeah, um yeah. and naturally that ties into apec a lot because most of where australia sells our primary resources you know iron ore coal and stuff is to the the asia pacific region um you know southeast asia and other parts of asia so i probably i probably haven't noticed any immediate trends in that space in particular but that that's partly just because i'm probably not aware as i should be as much of what's going on in europe yeah i i, I would i would i would probably uh, agree in that the resource the resources piece might be slightly different again I, I can't completely validate that nor nor should i should i be an authority on it um with regards to then the tech side how do you think that um because you know traditionally here in the uk you know, techs come in and just, uh, you know, in banking and and now in 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 neo broking and completely change the landscape. Do you think big tech's doing the same thing for wealth management in Asia Pacific, or do you still think there's a big shift to come? Uh, in Australia, particularly, um, there's there's a massive shift. I think that I was even surprised by it seeing just how tech focused Australia is, and even even you know the most Australians themselves, like a massive uptake in neo banks. Most people don't care whether you know your bank has an AT, like a. Some of them might not even have an ATM, but you know an actual branch like brick and mortar. Sure. Um, huge adopters of technology here. Um, you know, the UK is quite similar from what I've 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 heard and seen. Um, I have a lot of friends that are in Germany, and I remember talking to them during COVID about you know more finance online and more work online, and they were like, it's it's quite a friction here. Um, you know, over in say Germany was their broad comments to me, but here everyone's quite, you know, wants to pick new things up and gets very excited about technology. And there's been a lot of investment with government here, like that the whole kind of real time transactions does come from government policy. Uh, you mm. know, you, you've probably seen that in the UK. So um, 
we're, we're seeing that right now with open banking and pay twos. So like Australia's about to remove, um, I don't know what they call it overseas. We call it direct debit is the same thing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just triple checking. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're removing that pretty soon because they forced that the banks need to develop an actual digital solution that managers consent um, at scale so that, you know, you can't just kind of pull money from random bank accounts, but, you know, through banking apps and, single sign-on OAuth kind of thing, you can connect to your bank and the bank will authorize a particular amount of payment for a particular time period. So there's, there's just a ton of cool stuff that's happening, particularly in, in Australia. One thing I have noticed too is a lot of our kind of partners, particularly in the US, are just absolutely all through Asia. And I mean, Australia in particular is, is completely obsessed, I think, with doing things in Asia where they can because it's just such a massive market and um, sure. you know economically and professionally we are quite close to them it's a bit random but we have a state called Western Australia um, mm. and I remember what I got a YouTube ad years ago from it and it was it was about move your business to Western Australia start a business in another state and the ad had a very straightforward punchline it just said start a business in Western Australia you know you'll share a time zone with 60% of the people in the world you know, because I'm pretty sure it shares a time zone with China and India um, wow. or something crazy, you know, so there's a, an absolute kind of massive push to just get engaged with the you know, region in Asia because of just how many customers there are. And that's that's a massive topic here all the time for nearly any business. Yeah, I, yeah, I can complete, completely see that. And do you think that's a growth area for you guys? Do you think that's where you, you will you will venture next? Will we be speaking when you're in Singapore or Hong Kong next? <laughs> it's a good it's it's a, like it's a question that gets asked frequently by you know investors employees customers everyone yeah fine if if we weren't a finance company the answer is always going to be yes right you know like yeah. if you if you sell something in australia you're like well i better sell it in china because they have 50 i don't know 50 to 100 times more people than us or i hope i didn't butcher that math but um a lot more people <laughs> we'll, yeah we'll go with a lot we'll go with a lot we'll go with a lot and <laughs> Uh, but for fintech, it's quite hard because, you know, because we're so insular, the problem is, you know, if we stay in Australia, there's an, uh, an upper bound of, you know, most fintechs in Australia, nearly all of them, like, from roughly what I could tell, have probably have less than a million customers, you mm. know, the biggest ones, um, which isn't a lot of customers in the scale of like a, you know, a European or a United States or Asian kind of product, um, like North America. And, uh so there's that kind of tension that's like, oh, well, if we stay here, we're, we're never going to be, it's going to be very hard to ever be like a unicorn. There are not many Australian unicorns that just live in Australia. But on the flip side, going overseas is challenging because, you know, you're dealing with different regulations, different compliance, different types of consumers, different banking systems, different banking infrastructure. Um, sure. So in many ways, it's like building a second product. And I, I, I don't know if you've probably seen or had experiences with this. It's, the, the translation is quite aggressive um, between borders. So it's something I guess we'd always like to do, but we, we're always realistic too that um, it is it is a, a massive hurdle in, in the finance space. Yeah, and look, we, we see the same from the projects that we work on or work with is that the translation of um, regulatory frameworks, uh, cultural differences, um, just in general, like banking infrastructure and, and payments infrastructure is, is is entirely different and warped across different geographies um, and, and trying to find some consistency and some patterns within that in order to build a, like a translatable product is, yeah, uh, it's, it's, suspect it's is, crazy. Is, probably the, is, is, is the, one of the most difficult hurdles we see for our, you know, for our, 
and the projects that we work on. Exactly. And I've I've many friends at Canva, um, one of Australia, like one of the techs based in Australia's biggest startups at the moment, you know, the design company. Um, mm. And it's crazy watching them. They'll just be like, oh, um, we want to go launch in Africa. And they'll just, you know, release it in Africa, you know, all through the, the Play Store and stuff, because, you know, there's fairly universal language. And I mean, you know, not everything but the language is fairly universal. Mm. Yeah, sure. And once you as soon as you throw the word finance in there, um, it gets exponentially more tricky. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, um, you've mentioned a few, like few, few of the uh, Australian uh, Australian startups, and uh, in general, the fintech space. Um, there, there are, I think, a f- you know, a few wealth management companies popping up. Um, I- I'm keen on your like. Well, I'd like to understand how you think the ne- neo brokers, if I'm allowed to co- use that term, um, can create more of a competitive advantage right as more and more come into the market um i'd love to know how you think you can uh how Perla are trying to differentiate themselves from 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 competition how we're trying to differentiate ourselves that's been fairly strong so far is um on not on product or tech but just on behavior like we have a fairly straightforward message which is that again back to you know m- most of you are everyday normal people and those mm. types of people would just like to choose something that they feel aligned with that they know is going to grow their wealth over time in a fairly safe manner maybe mm. not overnight but over time um to enjoy doing it and that's it you know so come invest with us um like the the slogan on our website is just boring investing for the long term um yeah because and, and that's helped us stand out in this space quite a bit um in a lot of ways we're probably kind of weirdly a a broker that's competing against robo advisors because that tends to be the the approach of the robo platforms right like micro invest um regular deposits micro deposits uh just keep going build it up over time particularly because they're charging um you know fun like i mean you know fun it's like funds under management they get a percentage fee whereas like we're charging commission on on trades literally so uh, that's been what's helped us stand out so far is just the messaging, which is really interesting for us because in a lot of ways at this point in time, we've become nearly like a bit of a brand company, um, being that like our brand is one of our biggest assets, uh, which is funny because we'd never ever had a conversation about that. We were never like, let's build a brand company. Let's do this. We, we just were like, this is a good idea. Um, this seems to be what your everyday person is looking for. So let's go do that. And it's resonated. And we've been very lucky that, um, it's resonated as heavily as it does that helps us stand out over the longer term we have to keep pushing that message forward whilst also mm. making sure that we're kind of delivering for our customers on you know new technology keeping prices low and all that other kind of standard stuff hayden you say lucky but it sounds like you've just built your company with the core brand values at the at the beginning and it's just kind of perpetuated on yeah uh, yes and you know there's been a lot of hard work there but I mean, back to my comment about our employees before, most people in our company don't come from any kind of finance background. Like our entire customer service team, um, you would say no way came from a finance background. The majority of our engineers did not come from a finance background. Um, the kind of most we have besides my co-founder, Nick, who did come from a finance background. Um, you know, we have a product manager who used to do product management at zero, you know, the accounting company. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there'd be another example, but for the large part, our company's made up of financial novices. And that helps us because we don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about 
you know, how to create that kind of culture brand or philosophy because literally everyone in our company is just like, I don't know a lot about money. So let's let's approach it like that. Obviously, we know enough how to run a finance company, but more like, you know, people aren't off trading crypto every day or anything like that. So that that helps drive that forward. That's really interesting. It's it's that's um I think, yeah, that's that's uh one of the rarer cases, which I suppose is uh has, has really helped towards your brand values and where the company is today. Um one of the final questions um before i let you go to your evening because it's probably getting late um <laughs> we we ask uh, uh, most founders that we speak to this if we can uh, what are you most excited about in the fintech investment space right now the broad question <laughs> yeah uh, i mean i sometimes i honestly can't sleep at night because i just think about all these crazy things that um we could do right now that we aren't inhibited from doing that no one's doing um there's no like specific opportunity you know like i'll I'll hear all these you know cool stories like oh there's a startup from the us that they're like mx but when you um when you buy something at mcdonald's you don't get points you get mcdonald's shares mcdonald's stock um and you know it's like oh cool now they're excited the customer's happy they feel like it's worth something they can track it they want to keep spending there and i'm just like that's such a cool idea why were we not doing that 10 years ago and you're like oh that's right because we just hadn't built the technology so there's there's just dozens of examples of things like that that um you know like we're trying to do a little bit in the personal finance personal finance management space of helping people track their spending um you know there aren't a lot of companies out there who will be able to track your spending and you know send you SMSs if they think you're um uh you know you're you're creeping over a three six month period you know yeah over the course of a year it's like that's just one of a hundred things that no one's doing because no one's done it um and that that's what I get most excited about is just how much how much isn't done because no one's done it which means someone will do it and they'll do it soon so so much so much cool so many cool things on the horizon well I'm sure your roadmap looks um long and extensive um <laughs> the next couple of years it is it is it's um very ambitious <laughs> um Aiden I'm gonna let you go and enjoy your evening um but for anyone that wants to get in contact with you um wants to get in contact with Perla what's the best way for people to get in touch uh yeah I mean we're a small company so um it'd be super easy if you didn't try very hard um people can always email me at Hayden h-a-y-d-e-n at perla.com um you can email help at perla.com to talk to any of our customer service team. Um, very easy to find us on our website, contact forms, LinkedIn, anything. Um, you know, people can reach out anytime. We're a pretty, pretty casual bunch at the end of the day. <laughs> Hayden, thank you very much again for joining me today. Um, I'm sure I'll speak to you very soon. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.